Thank you so much, team, for leading us this morning. And if you got your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Colossians. So if you got your Bibles, if you'll join me there or turn your screens on to there. And uh, we are going to begin this Sunday walking through the book of Colossians. We're just going to walk through verse by verse. And uh, I love this book of the Bible. So as you're making your way there, um, I want to just take a quick poll. How many of you know what rumble strips are? Rumble strips. All right. So I didn't realize that's what they were called. But if you're traveling on the interstate or on the highway, there are these things called rumble strips. They're these raised little strips on the edge of the road. Uh, and so it's kind of like a warning system built into the road that if you are feeling drowsy, if you are feeling a little too relaxed, if you become distracted as you are on the road, these rumble strips, also known as sleepy bumps, uh, also known as waker uppers, I found, are, are there. And, and you start running your car, your wheels alongside those things, you get the rumble and you wake up. And the whole purpose is wake up, stay alert, don't be distracted, focus on what is ahead. All right. Uh, so so. How many of you now know what rumble strips are, right? All of us, that, I learned that's what they're called. So here's the thing, the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is almost like that. In that, this was a letter Paul wrote to the church at Colossae. And I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time this morning just kind of setting up the context so we can understand as we walk through kind of the picture. But, but Paul is writing this letter to the church at Colossae. And basically what's happening is they are, there's a lot of pressure on this young church. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of false teaching that is circling around this young faith family that's gathering together. And Paul, in love, is writing this letter. And it is basically like saying, hey, stay alert. Stay awake. Don't be distracted. Focus on what is ahead. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Stay alert. He's our focus. This book has been described or this letter has been described as a portrait of Jesus. That, that in all that we do, it is very easy, very easy to become distracted on lesser things. And what God through this letter to us is saying, remember, focus on Jesus because focus moves us forward. Focus moves us forward. That focus on Christ moves us forward in our personal lives and in our life as a church. That there are going to be a lot of swirling distractions that happen all around us. And through it all, there is this, this reminder, these rumble strips, if you will, that this letter serves to stay focused on Jesus. Whatever you do, a focus on Christ will move us forward. You cannot plow a straight line looking backwards. I'm not a farmer, but I, I think the farmers in the house would agree with that, right? You can't plow a straight line. And so, so it's this challenge as a church that we would keep our focus always on Jesus. Always on Him. So Paul's writing this letter to the church at Colossae. The church is probably somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five years old. Three to five years old. Colossae sits about a hundred miles east of Ephesus. So you may be familiar with the letter of Ephesians. So that's another city, Ephesus. So Colossae, about a hundred miles east. It's also near Laodicea, which you might be familiar with from Revelation. And it sits in the Lycus River Valley. Now, Paul never made it to Colossae. 
He never made it there physically, but he did serve in Ephesus for three years. And the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 19, verse 10, that in that time while Paul was at Ephesus, 100 miles away, is that all of Asia, Jew and Greek, heard the gospel. They heard the gospel. The gospel was spreading through Asia. And we gather from the text that there was this guy by the name of Epaphras. Epaphras. Kind of a fun name to say. Not going to think it's on the top baby name list uh, for 2020. But Epaphras. As far as we gather, he is an everyday guy. Somebody who loved the Lord. And that there was a day when Epaphras, who is from Colossae, made his way to Ephesus. 100 mile track. And when he made it to Ephesus, Paul was there. And Paul was preaching the gospel. And Epaphras heard the gospel. And he repented of his sin. And he placed his faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And he went back to Colossae, back to his hometown, completely changed, a new creation in Christ. And he began to start a church in Colossae. And so Epaphras is a church planter, if you will. An everyday guy whose life was wrecked by the grace of God, and he had to tell his city about Jesus. And he goes and he tells about All that he has learned in Christ. But here is the deal. In Colossae there are distractions all over the place. There's distractions all over the place. All kinds of false teaching and pressure came in from the outside. There was what was called a Colossian heresy. In other words there were all these kind of other religions kind of swirling around in the the area. Uh, It was mainly a Gentile city. Uh, And so but in the city you're going to have Jewish Folks, you're going to have Greeks, you're going to have, like I said, the Gentiles. And so you kind of got all these influences there. And so you have the Jewish legalists who are in the city. And they're the ones that are going to say, hey, 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 hold up. You can't have a relationship with God unless you follow the rules. You can't have a relationship with God unless you obey the rules. That means you must be circumcised. That means you must follow the dietary restrictions. That means that you must honor the holy days. You can't have a relationship with God. It is impossible to have a relationship with God unless unless you follow and obey the rules. And then you had a Gnostic mysticism. Okay, And and basically what this was, was this was a a group of people that thought all material things were evil and all things spiritual are good. So when you talk about Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, clothing himself in in the flesh, they completely rejected that because they're like, no, 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 material is evil. Like, body is evil. Flesh is evil. God, 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 God cannot be and cannot even embody himself in material. And so they rejected the godness of Jesus. So they reject him. But they would also, Gnostic, you kind of track that word down. It's where we get our word knowledge from. Gnostic, no knowledge. And so their whole thing was, and it's impossible to have a relationship with God unless you kind of reach this intellectual uh, height that few others find. In other words, unless you have all the intellect and reach the highest form of knowledge, guess what? You can't have a relationship with God. You can't do it. But then there was also this religious asceticism. And what this was, was this was basically a group of people that said, hey, deny yourself all pleasure and even harm yourself to show that you are a holy person So that you can be accepted by God. In other words, you can't have a relationship with God unless you deny yourself all pleasure and hurt yourself. Deny yourself. 
cause pain to yourself. And even that is kind of rooted in a little bit of pride because you got these folks going about this way of life and you got people saying, oh, wow, they must be a really holy person. And you're trying to get these holy points in the community. And, and, and here's the thing. This is, this is why Paul is writing this letter. This is why we need those rumble strips because, because although for us, Gnostic mysticism and religious asceticism, like, I get it. Like, I don't use those words ever, okay? Um, but, but here's the thing. There's all kinds of stuff swirling around to distract from the truth of the gospel, the truth that is in Jesus. And so you have all this going on. And you have Epaphras, this church planter who has been radically saved by the grace of God. And he's looking around and he's being like, I need help. You ever been there? I need help. I need help. And so where does he go? He makes the journey from Colossae all the way to Rome, where Paul, the end of Colossians tells us, is he says, remember my chains. He's writing this letter from prison in Rome to the church at Colossae. And Epaphras is sharing all that's going on in the life of the church of Colossae. And he's basically saying, help, <laughs> help me, help us. And so Paul lovingly writes this letter to the church at Colossae to focus on Jesus. Last night, my wife said, hey, just curious, why is it you're walking us through Colossians? Like, why Colossians? Why now? Why Colossians? And um, we're not a young church, right? <laughs> the church in Colossae has been around two or three years, maybe three to five years. And, and this church has been has such a great legacy. But in a way, this is a, a new season. As we're walking through as a church. But here's the thing. As we walk about this new season as a faith family. Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep our focus on Jesus. And we must hear this over and over again. Because focus moves us forward. The moment Jesus is not our focus. Things get off the rails very, very quick. And so what I want us to do again is walk through this letter. Walk through this letter and just we're going to walk through verse by verse. But today we're just going to look at the first eight verses. So if you got your Bibles, Colossians chapter one, I want to read through it, verses one through eight. And then we're going to go back and we're going to kind of track through it a little bit. But let's read together. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid for you up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel. Verse 6 says, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. In other words, Epaphras has made this journey from Colossae to Rome to visit Paul in his chains. And he says, here's what's going on in the church. There's all kinds of pressure coming in from the church. There's all kind of, of false teaching coming in on the church. And we need help on how to navigate all of this. And so Epaphras is basically filling Paul in. And now Paul is penning this letter. And in this introduction, he tells us a lot about the gospel. The gospel. He uses the word gospel, but he doesn't just say gospel. He calls it the word of truth. 
the word of truth that's very important. Because in a world of swirling falsehoods, this gospel that we have, that God has entrusted into our care, that this is the truth. This is the word of truth. If you've ever been in a conversation and somebody says, and that's the gospel truth. All right. This it has its roots right here. Because it's, it's a sincere appeal that this is real. And don't miss it. This is the truth. It's the word of truth. The word gospel is good news. It was a military word. And so in other words, if there was a war going on and, and, and there was victory, then, then, then the, the, the messenger, whoever it would be, would run into town and they would share the gospel. They would share the good news that the enemy has been defeated. The enemy has been defeated. Good news, there is victory. And so this is why I love the good news terminology of the gospel for us as believers. Because the good news is that Jesus has defeated Satan. Amen? He has defeated sin. Amen? He has defeated death. Amen? He's defeated it all. So for all of those in Christ, in a relationship with Christ, who respond to the gospel in repentance and faith... You and we have victory too. This is why it's so good. And as the church, we are called to share it. We're called to verbalize it. We're called to proclaim it. We're called to defend it. We're called to protect it. We're called to be willing to suffer for it. We're called to fellowship around it. And we are called to advance it. And this gospel message has moved through his people. And the gospel moves us. That Paul's life was radically changed by the gospel of Jesus. And his life was changed. And this gospel spread all through Asia. And it's now spread to the uttermost parts of the earth. And now as the church we carry the gospel torch into our city. And to all of those around us. And so in verse 1. The Bible says again. Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus. By the will of God. By the will of God. He was an apostle. It's a sent one. You ever send somebody to go get something for you? Go to the store, get this. All right. We send people out. Apostle is a sent one, but it's unique in that it's someone who's sent with a mission. It's someone who's sent with a purpose. And so Paul was a sent one with a purpose that he would carry the gospel. He would carry the gospel wherever he goes. And it's of Christ Jesus. That's important. The truth, the word of truth by the will of God. In other words, Paul wasn't saying, hey, I'm self-appointing myself as an apostle of Christ Jesus. He's not there, there saying, hey, I've been voted, I've been nominated for this role, so everybody listen up. He's like, no, church at Colossae, listen, I am a sent one with a mission, and my mission has been appointed by God. And so there is this leaning in that if you are writing under the authority of God, then I want to listen in, I want to lean in, and I want to hear. And we have an opportunity to lean into here. And you just think about Paul. How his life was radically transformed to the gospel. A Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a hater of the church. He hated the church. He was prideful. He was arrogant. He was self-righteous. He knew absolutely everything. And yet God changed his life through the word of truth. Through the gospel. And I just want to take a quick moment to say this. Is that there may be even somebody in the room or listening online. And you listen and you, you evaluate your life. You examine your life. And you, you're like, I've, I've gone too far. That I'm too far. I'm too far from God. But I would encourage you today is that there is no person outside of the grace of God. And that there is an opportunity to turn 
and repent and accept Christ. And that there are people in this room and online. You have been praying and you have been praying and you've been praying and you've been praying for that person in your family, your co-worker, somebody in your circle of influence, your world, your friend. And, and they're so far from God. But I want us to be encouraged by Paul. who had this radical transformation and he is this sent one, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. And Timothy, our brother, this was his co-laborer in the gospel, his son in the faith. He says in verse 2, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ is Colossae. These aren't two separate groups, but the reality is this, is that those who have repented and accepted Christ are saints, been set apart, forgiven of our sins, set apart for God, faithful, full of faith. And he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father. He wrote 13 letters in the New Testament and every single one of them says, grace to you and peace. This was his this was his open line. This was, his, this was the way he wanted to share the information that he was going to share. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we pray for you. We always thank God. That's a word. That's a word. That's a challenge. We always thank God. We always thank God. Think about this. What if we ta- had a tape recorder, all right? Place it in our pocket or on our hip, whatever. And it, we press record, all right? And if you grew up in the 80s, you'd have a jam box and plus play and record right there together. And, and, and you, and you kind of walk through and you record everything that comes out of your mouth. Because it is true, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. what the Word tells us. And I want us to think if we made it through the day and we're, we're kind of calling it a day. And we just say, I'm going to listen back. And we replay the day. What would we hear? And the challenge is, is that we would be a grateful people. Always giving thanks. Always giving thanks. And I love that he says when we pray for you. I love that he's praying for the church. He's at a church in Ephesus. He's, or he's actually in Rome. He's, he's left Ephesus. But from Rome, he's praying for all the churches. And that we, that I just want to share this for what it's worth. That, that, that there is not a competition as the body of Christ, that we are brothers and we are sisters and we are linked arms for the gospel to win people for the kingdom. And he's praying for the church. So we need to pray for our churches. We need to pray for our churches. But this gospel moves us, but this gospel also changes us. Verse 4, he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints, the faith, 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 Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. It is not faith plus. It is not faith and. It is faith. Faith in Christ Jesus alone as Lord. And he's telling them this because it's their faith in Christ. Christ is the object. It's not a set of dietary laws and it's not a set of... of, uh, of, of, of knowledge pursued. It's not harming yourself. Like it's about faith in Christ. And the word faith. Faith is linked by the same word we get the word obedience. Faith and obedience are linked. And I love what Tony Evans says. One of my mentors. He says this. He says we're not saved by works. But we're saved to work. Like there's the mission that we've been entrusted with. And this faith and obedience are linked together. This is why James is able to say, faith without works is dead. In other words, 
A faith with no loving obedience is not faith at all. It's dead. And so we are marked by obedience. I'm not saying we live a perfect life because that would never happen. I fail constantly. But I want to. I want to honor God. I want to lovingly obey Him in every area of my life. And so he goes on to say that this faith has resulted in some fruit in their lives. And one of those fruit is a love for all the saints. A love for all the saints. 1 John 4.20 says, If someone loves God, says, I love God, hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom has, who he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. John 13.34, Love one another even as I have loved you. In other words, Jesus changes lives. He changes lives and in a loving, grace-filled way. I would say this, if there has been no change in your life, there has been no Jesus in your life. And it's rooted in Scripture because Christ transforms us and changes us. And love is a mark. We shared, talked about that a few weeks ago. In verse 4, it goes on to say that since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in Heaven, we have as believers a hope, a blessed assurance. We have that blessed assurance, that confident expectation that heaven awaits all of those who place their faith and trust in Christ. That's a blessing. I'll be honest, this is an area I'm growing in. I'm growing. I'm like, God, help me to live with an eternal perspective. Help me to live not in the present, but looking ahead. And what happens is when we look ahead, and we look through eternity or we look through the light of eternity, the perspective of, of eternity. What happens is we start realizing how very short this time is, how very short this time is and how urgent the mission, the message that we have is. Imagine a place where there's no more pain and no more sorrow and no more tears, as the Bible says. No more coronavirus, no more stress, no more anxiety like like it's all over. And we spend eternity with our treasure, Christ. The treasure of heaven for all of eternity. God help us. God help us. He says this in verse 5. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel which has come to you. As indeed the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of truth. The gospel is on the move. The gospel is always moving. The gospel came to you because it's on its way to somebody else. The gospel is always moving and it's been for all people and all cultures. And it always has been. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. John 8, 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Romans 1, verse 8 and 16 says, first, I thank my God through Christ Jesus for all of you, because of your faith is proclaimed in all of the world. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Romans 10, 18. But I ask, have they not heard? And indeed they have, for their voice has gone out to all the, all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. 1 Thessalonians 1, 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere. So that we need not say anything. 
And Revelation 7, 9 and 10 says, After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribe and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's for all people. For all people. There's no segments There's no, like, this is for this people, this is not for this people. No, 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 this gospel is for all people. And this gospel moves us, this gospel changes us. But this gospel connects us as well. Look at verses 7 and 8. It says, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. This gospel, the word of truth, connects us. I often use the word faith family. Brothers, sisters, we're family. We're a family of faith. And it's this gospel that connects us. This gospel connects us. Now, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what Epaphras did for a living. I don't know if he was a carpenter. I don't know if he was a shoe guy. I don't know if he was a farmer, fisherman. I have no idea. But but here's what I do know. Is that there was a day where Epaphras, that he went and he went to Ephesus. And at Ephesus, he responded to the gospel of truth, the word of truth. And that it was in that transformation that he now takes the gospel back to Colossae. Now, here's the thing. I don't know from Ephesus to Colossae if he had a chance to go get a seminary degree. I don't know if he had a chance to like have all the answers and all the blanks filled in. Here's what I think. I think he made a beeline for his city because he knew his city needed Jesus. And he didn't worry about not having all the answers. He worried about what he knew was true. The gospel, the word of truth, and how Christ has changed his life. And not having all the answers is not going to stop him because his city needed Jesus. His city needed Jesus. Our city needs Jesus. Our companies need Jesus. Our schools need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. Jesus. And so may we not just kind of sit back and be like, well, I don't know what that's going to happen. I'm not going to say I'm not going to have all the answers. All this. I'm thinking between, you know, the past 2,000 years, most all the answers or questions have been answered. And we can research and all that stuff. But here's the thing. God has equipped us with everything we need. His Word and the power of the Spirit. And He's called us to be a light and a witness. But here's what I love about the story as I'm kind of wrapping up this morning. Is that I love that when He was in this rough spot in Colossae, and that he didn't really know what he was going to do. He knew there was a lot of, of, of issue, a lot of pressure, a lot of false teaching, not sure what to do. I love that he said, you know what, I'm going to go see my mentor. I'm going to go to Paul. It's going to be a long road to get there from here. But he didn't care. Distance did not stop him. And he made the, tra- he made the, tri- the travel, the trip, the track, all the way to Rome. And he met with Paul in his chains. And Paul was there to invest truth into his life. And to give the truth of God's word to this people. And God has been faithful. And I love the resounding message is this. Listen, there's a lot going on. I get it. But just focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. So how do we, how do we take this applied to our lives? And there's just a little phrase that I've... Uh, given there and just something to kind of latch a hold to, but it's simply this. Live intentionally and connect relationally. Live intentionally and connect relationally. I have found that I get more done on purpose than I do on accident. (laughs) 
All right? It's just something I've learned over the time. Like if something's going to get done, maybe I need to write it down. Maybe I need to focus on it. I can check it off. Okay? We, are, we, we get things done that we're intentional about. And I don't know that in what ways that the Holy Spirit, even through this letter to Colossae, those rumble strips are sounding off in our lives. And they're saying, listen, your focus is not Jesus. Your focus has become yourself. Your focus has become your job. Your focus is, I mean, all this stuff. Like all those things are a part of life. But I'm saying what's focus, what's preeminent. And it could be that we would be challenged in this short letter that we would be reminded that we've become distracted. And that we've been reminded that we've made lesser things the most important thing. And that if we are driving a vehicle and we're headed to a destination, the destination is not Jesus right now. And that by the Holy Spirit, by His grace, we would focus on Jesus. And so my question is this, how as a believer may the Holy Spirit be stirring in you to refocus your life? And to become more intentional. And I can say, I know it will not happen apart from the work of, of the Word and the Holy Spirit in our lives. We've got to saturate our lives with the Word of truth. Time in Word, time in prayer. Living on mission. Living connected with other believers. Prioritizing our time. Prioritizing our relationships. Looking at people and not looking beyond people. And that God has seen fit in His providence and care that you, guess what, you live, you might live in the woods, so maybe you don't have neighbors right beside you, um, but you might have somebody pretty close to you. But very much so as my wife and I have moved into town, and we are loving life in Olive Branch. Aren't we kids? It's just been awesome. It's been so good. But we are living understanding that God and His care has allowed us to be right here. And that there are these people right beside us. And there's people right beside us. And there's people just across the street from us. And there's people that are backing up. And that we live intentionally. So, so the challenge again is live intentionally. What does it look like to refocus your life and your family's life on Christ? And then a second one is connect relationally. God did not design us to live this life as a lone ranger. All right. In other words, we're saved. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then we're out there living life on our own. No, He has given us the gift of the body of Christ. And just as Epaphras made the long trek to Rome, guess what? You are surrounded by a faith family that loves you and cares for you. And that we all need a Paul. We all need a Paul. Thankfully, we don't have to walk a dirt road for days and days and days and days and days to go see him. We can pick up the phone. We can get in our cars. We can drive. But we all need a Paul. We need a spiritual mentor. We need somebody that can pour into our lives. We need somebody that when we're struggling and we don't know what to do, we can seek good godly wisdom and counsel. And we also need a Timothy in our lives. Somebody that we are investing in. Investing God's word. Investing God's wisdom. Investing God's care in. We need a Paul. We need a Timothy. But we need each other. We need each other. We need each other. Everybody playing a significant part in the body of Christ. And through it all, as we are walking through this life, that we would keep our focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much for the gift of today. I want to thank you for the gift of your word. I want to thank you for the gift of this letter. I want to thank you for the gift of Paul's testimony and his just fearless, full of faith, 
always giving thanks life. Lord, investing in this church who needed some help. Investing in a church planter named Epaphras who loved his city and wanted his city to know Jesus but just needed some help. So he reached out and using the body of Christ, giving us this divine letter that's been penned to remind us to keep our focus on Jesus. So Father, as a family of faith, I pray that every decision, every step, Everything we do is with you as our focus, your glory and your mission. And Father, God, I I pray for healthy discipling relationships in our lives. God, leaning on our Pauls who are a little bit further down the road from us, who love us enough to tell us the truth and love us enough to share your word and invest your word into our lives. And that God, also that there are those that you've placed in our lives that we can invest in. I, I, I would imagine all these maybe list of reasons why we're not qualified come up. We're not. It's by your grace. But God, you have entrusted your gospel into our lives. And may we invest the gospel in others' lives. And Father, help us to be intentional about that. Not lose sight of that. What do we need to do in our lives to keep our focus on you? And then, Father, I pray that if there is anyone... Who could maybe even relate to a Paul before knowing Christ. That if there is anybody who is apart from you. That God you have told us in the word of truth. The gospel. The good news. The enemy has been defeated. Satan has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. The grave has been defeated. And that you lovingly told your disciples. God you said I am the way. The truth and the life. And no man comes to the father except through Me And I pray, God, if there is anyone here who does not have a relationship with you, it's not about laws, it's not about rules, it's not about knowledge, it is about faith in the one true God and surrendering their life to Jesus. I pray today they would repent of their sin and place their faith and trust in you and you alone. God, we love you. And God, help us to live intentionally, focused lives in relationship and community focused on you. Thank you for the rumble strips of this letter to a church that needed to be reminded it's all about you. God, we love you and we praise you in Jesus name. Amen.